Is the Mongolian deathworm still hunting its prey today? And we take a look at an infamous film detailing an infamous event today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day. That my great day comes with a little bit of quotation marks. The heat's getting to me, man. Oh, dang it. I just realized I have to talk about the desert for like 10 minutes in this episode because we're talking about Mongolian deathworms. Oh. You know, I did. Let's see. Let's see if my brain can process what I want to talk about. Deathworms. Walking around. Oh, okay. Here's a question for you. Why is hot sauce, why does hot sauce taste so different from other hot sauces, but all ketchup tastes the same? I don't know. Let's start the episode. It's just way too hot. Actually, that is a good question. But you know what I mean? Like all, never mind. Let's get started with the episode. Uh, oh, yes. The Mongolian death worm. So the Mongolian death worm is one of those legends that have seeped into the current day. So we have creatures like gnomes and fairies which you know like i think iceland still believes in gnomes and stuff like that but for the most part people go oh you know gnomes may have been around back in the day well, i don't think most people think gnomes are around but you know what i mean like there are creatures that are considered far far in the past that we don't have to deal with anymore dragons is a good idea of that and then there's creatures that have old old legends about them and they're still being seen and that would cover stuff like bigfoot and that also would cover the creature of the Mongolian deathworm. Now, if you're not familiar with what the Mongolian deathworm is, it's interesting because just like the Jabu Fofi, the giant spider we talked about on Tuesday, I believe, the Mongolian deathworm, all the sightings are secondhand. There's been no Western explorer to actually be able to say, oh, we saw that. Not like it's important that it has to be Western, but you know what I mean? Like most of the sightings we have is someone talking to someone else and then being like oh yeah i saw that and the the descriptions are all fairly the same if i saw a monster and then you saw a monster independently we may have different versions of what that monster looks like but if we both saw a tiger i may see it from behind and i may describe it a little bit differently than you but you could compare both events and say well they're probably talking about a tiger they're probably both, they, one person saw it in the shadows, so it just looked like a giant cat with a certain type of ear structure, and the other person saw it in the day, and it had stripes, but he couldn't really see his head because he was, I don't know, drinking water or eating an ostrich. And so the Mongolian deathworm, all, I won't say all, but most of the descriptions are the same. It's, it's not, you'll, you'll watch movies, and Mongolian deathworm is, I've seen it in a couple movies I actually saw one really good one that I'm going to put the link to. It's not a movie so much. There was a television show. I don't know if it's still around. I don't think so. Called The Lost Tapes. And it was basically a found footage television show. It was really good. It was about, I think it was these three young men on ATVs doing some cross-continent race. And they their ATVs break down in the Gobi Desert. And the Mongolian deathworm stalking them. So it kind of has this Tremors vibe. Because as long as they're on the ATV and totally immobile the Mongolian deathworm doesn't know that they're there. So it was really good. I'll put that link in there. I recommend you watching it. 
But generally in movies, they portray this Mongolian deathworm as this giant creature the size of a graboid from Tremors. And the local descriptions of it are, it's about three meters long. I don't know what that is in English. Because, you know, the only real measurement system is feet and inches. But I think three meters long, I think, is something like four feet or something like that. I don't know. But anyways, so it's relative. I mean, that's the size. That's a size of a medium-sized snake. That's fairly believable. What makes people doubt that it exists is that it has two other attributes that people are like, eh, maybe that's just made up. One is it spits out some sort of toxin. So you have this three-foot-long worm that it burrows underground, and when somebody's walking over it, it jumps out at you and bites you. It can also jump out at you and spit a toxin at you. And you're like, well, you know, there's animals that do that. There's animals that shoot out toxin. They're definitely toxic animals. The Mongolian deathworm has another attribute, is that it can release electricity. It can shock people near it. So if you're, or animals, if you're walking on the ground, the first thing you may feel, as opposed to walking in the sky, I guess, but as you're walking, the first thing you'll feel is a a sharp electric shock. It kind of stuns you and you'll fall down and then it can kind of take its time with you, spray the poison in your face, eat what's left. Now this creature has had sightings going back as long as there are people in the area. It came to the West's attention, I believe like back in 1920, and at that time, so the Mongolian prime minister at that time was like, I've seen a death worm. He could describe it. And what's funny is that for a long time, there was actually a ban in the country for hunting the death worm. They just didn't want to deal with people going out there. Now, it's not the most... I'm sure they're having a bunch of crackpots going out there and dying of dehydration because it is a desert after all. But I always think it's interesting when governments enact rules. I think it's in Nepal or uh, somewhere out there, out east, where it's against the law to harass a... Yeti. You can't go Yeti hunting. They're like a protected species. So sometimes it's a publicity stunt. I actually think it's illegal to hunt Bigfoots in Washington as well. It might be a publicity stunt. It might just be, you know, it, it, well, it might be a publicity stunt. It may be real. They're like, man, we don't want people going out there and getting killed by these Mongolian deathworms. It's most likely a publicity stunt. But so you have this creature. It's blood red because what happens is it lays its eggs inside a camel's intestines and they eat up the, I'm assuming, dead camel. They eat it up and it just like gives them this red coloring. And they say that it's just a silent predator. It just lives in the desert. It'll kill anything. It'll eat anything. It just like most, cre- and this is an interesting fact of it too. When you're making stuff up, If it's made up, you can make up whatever it does. You can be like, yes, it's the size of a house and it will swallow your firstborn child and it'll come over to where you work and it'll start knocking pins off your desk. Like, just make it up. If you're making it up, that's actually a fairly relative size for something that you're like, well, how big was it? And you're like, I don't know, three meters? I mean, you know, that sounds more realistic. Also, they generally don't hunt humans. They prefer to hunt animals, but will kill a human if need be. So again, when we look at stuff like the Groot Slang, and they're like, it was created by the gods, and it's one of the most intelligent creatures on the planet, and it steals people's gold, that sounds far more made up than, there's a really big worm in the desert that shoots acid and can shock you, and it will usually eat an animal, but it might eat you too. So, I, 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 the Mongolian, see, the stuff like the Groot Slang 
I like the idea of it. I don't think it exists. The giant spider from Tuesday's episode and the Mongolian deathworm, I think, are very likely to exist. If not existing today, existed at some point in human history. And that's why those legends have been passed down. I'm not saying you can, you know, book a flight to the Gobi Desert right now, parachute in and find one, because no Westerner has ever seen one. Well, at least ever seen one and survived to talk about it. But again, if this creature isn't necessarily hunting humans and it is under the ground, what are the chances of you trying to find it in a desert? It's a massive desert. They don't know how many of these things are. But this is one of those cryptids that if we found evidence of it, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If we found giant spiders, and you know, giant spiders have exoskeletons, but when they die, I wonder how they fossilize. I'm sure we found fossilized spiders from in the past, but I wonder how they... Oh, and that's dope about this thing, too. Mongolian deathworm actually has an exoskeleton as well. And when it's damaged, when it's attacked, it can actually molt off its armor and grow new armor. So they're fairly difficult to kill. They're not impossible. I mean, obviously, if you shot one, it's dead. But it's mostly built for protecting against, like, animal attacks, where if, uh, I don't know what else lives out in the Gobi Desert, if a Paku Paku attacks it, it can be like, ha, 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 and then just, like, drop, take off that piece of broken armor, have some new one, and then he shocks him and eats him. So I don't know. The Mongolian deathworm, Mongolian deathworm, I'm going to put in the possible category of my cryptid category I just made up for this episode. I'm going to count it as possible. It may not have the, I think the least likely thing out of everything it's described is the electrical ability. I don't think the size is ridiculous. I don't think the venom's ridiculous. I don't think the environment or what it hunts and all that stuff. The electrical shock thing is probably the most fantastical thing. But the only thing that really makes people doubt this is they've never seen one. Everything else fits into how big these type of creatures can be, what it would eat, how it would live, and things like that. And again, with the giant spider, the only th- every it acts like a spider, it hunts like a spider, does everything like a spider. The only thing people debate is, eh, it can't get that big. As opposed to the Groot Sling, which is completely mythological, or the Atoa, the tiny, tiny ant-sized humans. I mean, those aren't just on its face completely untrue. So... I do recommend, I, I haven't watched, I said I've seen those other Death War movies, as in I've seen they exist. I haven't watched any of the other Death War movies, but actually I probably am going to. But I recommend you guys watch The Lost Tapes, and again, I'll put that link in below. Now we're going to move on to our next story, which is actually currently being made into a movie. But you guys are going to get a little spoiler on that. You guys don't have to wait for the movie to come out. Back during World War II... Joseph Goebbels, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. If, I, if I'm if i wrong, I apologize. Not to him, to you. He, I don't care about him. Goebbels? It might be Goebbels. I don't know. Anyway, anyways, Joseph, you got, he was propaganda minister for the Nazis. So he believed that film was one of the greatest propaganda tools around, available. And it was. It was. It is still, too, today. So he made a movie. One of the movies he made was called Sus the Jew. And it was a drama about an innocent German girl being raped by a Jewish man. And audiences around Germany loved it. And he's like, okay, I'm on to something. I just need to make propaganda films to keep the Germans. Because this was like in 1942, 1943. So things weren't going well. 
He's like, I'm going to make these uh, Nazi propaganda movies, keep the spirits up. This is how we're going to keep people fighting, keep people in line with the Nazi idea. So it dawns on him, what is one of the greatest tragedies in recent human memory, other than the whole Nazi Holocaust thing? It was the sinking of the Titanic. And so Goebbels, I'm going to mispronounce his name every single time I say it, so let's just go on there, but... He decides to make a movie about the Titanic with a twist. He wants to put the onus on capitalism. The reason why the ship sank was capitalism. The Nazis were national socialists. They were a socialist movement who believed that the government should control. Everyone gets a job. The government controls the economy. Capitalism is not something that they were too fond of. So they basically wrote this script where it's these businessmen in New York, in Britain, who realize that the um, company that owns the Titanic, which I think it was the Red Star Line, was not doing well. So they go, what if we take, we take this new boat we built, the Titanic, and we race it across the ocean as fast as we can, and it'll win this award. And what we'll do right now is we're going to short sell our stock because the stock is low. And then once it completes the race, we will buy the stock back or something like that. Or they were going to cover it or whatever. They were going to make a ton of money once it won the race. So basically, Goebbels is figuring this to be like, it's a mad, 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 mad world, but with the Titanic. It's just this wacky race. So that's the plot. So that's the start of the plot. And then they inserted, they created a German character who's like an officer on the ship. And he's like, as the captain who's like speeding across the ocean, the German guy's like, we shouldn't go so fast, sir. And the British captain's like, you don't understand anything, German. We're, we, we're going to make it, and this is going to be the fastest boat ride ever. And so then, of course, spoiler alert, the boat ends up hitting an iceberg. So his girlfriend was this, the, the German first officer, had a love interest, and he's like, he has to get to her to get off the boat. And they show all like the rich people on the boat, like totally cowardly. They're just like, no, no, save me first, save me first. While this German guy's like running through the boat, saving poor people. And all the Germans are like, come with us. We're all on this together and we'll take care of you. And at one point, the German officer, the star, grabs this little girl because the boat's starting to like go under. And there's like this this little girl is trapped in her cabin because her parents are like, capitalism rules. See you later, kid. The German guy gets the kid. He then jumps off of the boat and lands in the water. And his girlfriend shows up in a rowboat and they get in and the Titanic falls into the water. And then there's this whole thing at the ending where the Germans like, the company was trying to make us go fast. And the courts are like, well, we're capitalists too, so you're innocent. And it was this whole thing about how the system's rigged against the working class and how Germans are noble and the British and the Americans are all about money. So as a propaganda film, that would work. That was the plot. But what happened was when they were making the movies, when the weird stuff started to happen, Goebbels, Goebbels, I can't believe it. Okay, anyways, he personally picked the director to do this film. He had worked on other propaganda films for him. He goes, I want you to direct this. The movie cost at its time 180 million dollars well with inflation or maybe not inflation let me check yeah with inflation 180 million dollars remember they're they're at war this is not like in 1937 they're in war this is 1942 
they got other stuff to spend their money on. Anyways, he personally picks this director. They're shooting the movie, and the Nazis send over a bunch of advisors to the film to be like, this is what it's like being on a boat. And the advisors are constantly drunk, and they're sexually molesting or assaulting the women working on there. And the director's like, okay, guys, let's get it together. And they won't listen to him. So he starts complaining. Now, that's one thing you don't want to do in a totalitarian state because it gets back to Goebbels. He personally pulls in the director and says, did you say this stuff? And the director's like, looks at him and goes, yeah, I said that stuff. And that really made... Uh, I'm just going to stick with Goebbels. It really made Goebbels mad. <laughs> I really hope that's how you say his name. Anyways, it really made him mad because this was a guy he personally picked and now he's basically like throwing that in his face. He sends him to jail, but luckily for the Nazis, he hangs himself the next day. So the director's dead, and it's ruled a suicide. So then the cast is like, what? You know, that's not, he didn't die, and they kind of get upset, and Goebbels is like, hey, listen, man, you can complain all you want. I got a nice jail cell with an extra bed sheet. So the cast was like, okay, we're done. We're done with this. So they get another director. He continued to make the movie. It gets finished. It's way over budget. It gets finished. Now, and also, they actually had, like, they were shooting it on a real, like, liner. A real big boat. And there was, you know, obviously pickup shots other place. But the set was a, an actual boat that was sailing out in the ocean. So they shoot the movie. And Goebbels is watching it at one point. It's all done. And there's scenes to show how, like, uncaring the capitalists are towards the poor people in on the boat. So there's a few scenes of, like, you know, they'll pull down gates and lock them so the poor people can't get out. And you saw that, actually, in the James Cameron movie, Titanic. Like, these safety gates came down, and they'd lock them, but it prevented people from getting out to surface so they could not drown. So there's scenes of these gates coming down and, like, families being separated and, like, reaching through the gate. And like the German mother's like, come to me, my daughter. And the German daughter's like, I'm so scared. I can't get through the gate. I can't get through the gate. And they think that's one of the reasons why this movie was never aired in Germany. Because that's kind of like what was going on in concentration camps. And in ghettos. And on trains. People were basically having gates put in between them and crying as... In this movie, it was the capitalist, the uncaring capitalists, and in reality, it was the uncaring national socialists. They also say that it wasn't released. Another reason why it wasn't released was that it made... It was coming towards the end of the war, and it was basically a movie about a hopeless event and a few people surviving a hopeless event. And historians feel that it might, as Goebbels was watching it, he might have thought they, the German people might think more of the Titanic being this horrible, hopeless event and making that the equivalent to what they were going through. Like, they're literally on a sinking ship. Both sides of two different armies are just pushing them in. So the movie was never released in Germany. After the war... It, sh- it was aired in Russia sometimes, and they called it a trophy film, which I think it was almost like, that's almost like a hate song. Like, they destroyed Germany, and then they would watch this movie and laugh at it about how stupid it was. There was a VHS copy that was floating around Germany for a while, they say would air on television every once in a while. 
and it did start to get shown in other places because German films, the cinematography is pretty good. Like they, they really pioneered some filmmaking techniques and eventually did get restored and you can watch it now. I haven't seen it. I'm assuming it would be all in German, but that could be a bad assumption. So what happened to the boat? What happened to the boat that they filmed the Titanic on? Well, apparently, it was towards the end of the war. It's like almost over. And the Germans were like, oh, man, you know, it's all, we're almost out of here. What can we do? We're almost done. What do you want to do? And the other guy's like, you know what I want to do? I want to kill some more Jewish people. So they loaded a bunch of Jewish people onto this boat, turned it into a prison boat, and sent it out going, okay, two things are going to happen. With the war's ending, two things are going to happen. Either the British are going to blow it up or we're going to sink it. One of the two. And some British bombers spotted a Nazi ship in the water and they dropped bombs on it and killed them. And it was, they kill, ended up killing three times the amount of people who died on the actual Titanic. That is the history of... It's generally called the Nazi Titanic. And it was actually the first movie on the subject that was called Titanic. Or The Titanic. Before, they were called like A Night to Remember. I think it was the first big uh, Titanic film. This one was just called The Titanic. Or no, actually, it was just called Titanic. I don't know how many times I have to say that. This one was called Titanic. It was the first movie about the event called Titanic. There had been other movies about that. I know one of them was called The Night to Remember, which sounds romantic, but it's not. It's a bunch of people drowning. Movies are a very good propaganda tool. But you may want to think long and hard about what you're trying to propagandize. Because obviously they had some things in mind about corruption in the government and uncaring bureaucrats separating families and the hopelessness of being surrounded by darkness and slowly drowning probably aren't messages you want to give to people who live in a brutal totalitarian regime where they've seen families separated and they are getting bombed daily. Probably not a good idea. Nazi Germany was full of bad ideas. This was probably their least bad idea. I do have to say, I would I would watch this, not the movie Titanic, because again, it's probably on German, but I would watch a movie about the making of Titanic. I think that sounds far more interesting than the movie they made. I think I would watch that. I'm not a big fan of World War II movies in general. I think they're all kind of the same. Saving Private Ryan was okay. Saving Private Ryan actually only had one good scene, and that was the beach scene. Everything else was kind of lame, honestly. And it made every game be washed out gray after that. Call of Duty and all that stuff, it's like they just put gray saran wrap over their graphics and said, hey, it's like Saving Private Ryan. I'm not a big fan of those that era, that storytelling era. I'm not a big fan of it. But I, I had watched this, maybe, if it was on Stars or something like that, on YouTube. We'll find out. When it comes out, if it ever does. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be... Oh, I have a, I am curious. What happens if when they're making this movie about the Nazi Titanic, that boat sinks too? That would be crazy. You know, a guy died making James Cameron's Titanic. Maybe just that story is cursed. I'm not going to make a Celine Dion joke either. That's kind of low-hanging fruit. 
DataRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. Uh, Facebook.com slash DataRabbitRadio is our Facebook. On Twitter, we are at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. Uh, this it's so hot. Dead Rabbit Radio. Oh man, Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day. Stay hydrated, people. Stay hydrated.